You're listening to episode 60 of Fearless Rebel Radio. In this episode, we are blowing up the bullshit about health, weight loss, and dieting with my girl and dietitian, Glennis Oyston from Dare Not to Diet. This episode is awesome. As always, you can find my free 10-day body confidence makeover at summerandanin.com forward slash freebies or just go to thebodyimagecoach.com and you'll see different areas on my website where you can opt in to get my free 10-day body confidence makeover. All right, let's get started with the show. Hey, everybody. Today, I am really excited to introduce you to someone who maybe you've heard of before and maybe not. Her name is Glennis, and she's kind of a badass, so that's why I wanted to have her on the show. Glennis Oyston is a registered dietitian, author of the blog Dare to Not Diet, and one half of the Dietitian's Unplugged podcast. With a long history of dieting and freaking out about her weight daily, she now believes in leading a life free of dieting and food restriction for weight control. She dares you to join her in giving a middle finger to the multi-billion dollar diet industry and living the best non-diet life ever. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I've been reading your book and it's awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I've, I've been loving your podcast. Oh, awesome. Thank yeah. you. Well, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's funny how I kind of, how I discovered you. It was one of the women in my Facebook community posted a link to, um, a blog post you wrote called, did we cure obesity? I think it was that. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> Cured obesity, heavy on the sarcasm. Yes. And I read it and I was and super sarcastic, uh, totally witty and hilarious, as well as absolutely brilliantly written. And I was like, I need to connect with this woman because Thank she's you. got it going on. And so um, I'm excited to have you here and to introduce your work and and yourself to my listeners if if perhaps they haven't heard of you before. So why don't we do that? Why don't you start out by telling everyone a little bit more about your story? Okay. Um, well, I started out as a dieter, and I was a dieter for a long time. Um, wait. Before that, I started out as a fat kid, actually. Mm -hmm. I think I need to go back that far. Um, I started out as kind of a fat kid, and then, but never one that worried about her body all that much. Um, and then I became a, kind of a fat teenager, and then a fat young adult. Um, and then somewhere in that early, my early 20s, I decided, oh, gosh, I'm not eating very well, so I feel like I need to do something. I kind of keep growing out of clothes, so I'm going to go to Weight Watchers. And um, I'd known people that had gone, and I thought, I'll give it a try. I'll just try it once and see if that I like it. And I, I went, and I did like it, actually, believe it or not, <laughs> because that's, I feel like that's early days of dieting. Yes. I love this. This is so great. And But the truth is I was learning how to prepare meals for myself for the first time. I'd never had a really regular diet growing up. My mom was kind of laissez-faire about meals. She really didn't like cooking, and she herself had a long history of dieting uh, and weight loss and weight gain. She was never what you would call a fat person, but she had her problems for sure. Mm -hmm. And so food was kind of love at her, uh, uh, love hate for her as well. And so I kind of grew up with this weird diet and I could just eat whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. So there was of course comfort eating going on and there was no knowledge of what a meal looked like for me. And so going to Weight Watchers, I was learning how to put a meal together, and I thought, oh, that's kind of neat. Now, those meals that they teach you to put together are pretty small, but this was in the 90s. They weren't even doing points at that point. It was like exchanges or something. So actually, I was getting a pretty varied diet for the first time in my life. And of course, I lost weight immediately, and it was great. I was like, yeah, this is great. This is who I am now, and it's fantastic, and I'm in a smaller body. I still was never what you would call thin. That's what my partner tells me anyway, but not in a mean way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's just like, honey, you were never thin. I'm like, you're, you know what? You're right. And he loves that about me and it's all fine. So, mm -hmm. um, but I was smaller and I could fit into regular sizes and I felt like I was in the regular girl club. Like, oh, I'm not in the fat girl club anymore. I'm in the regular girl club and I totally get what it's like to you know, boys like me now, um, that kind of thing. And, 
uh, I did, I dieted and it was really easy for a long time. And I think being in your 20s and never having dieted before, I think that initial weight loss is super easy for a lot of people and it's seductive. Yes. And you just feel like, why isn't everybody doing this? This is great. And um, time goes on. And then you start to notice, well, once in a while, your weight creeps up a few pounds. So then you diet a bit more. Okay, I know what to do to deal with that. I diet a bit more. And then, you know, you go on and you're learning that this is dieting, just restriction to make your weight go down. And as you get older and as I, as I got older and went on um, with the diet, I, I found I had to get kind of more and more restrictive. But at the same time, I also was suddenly no longer happy with the amount of weight I had lost. So it's sort of like that. Like, um, that's what a diet is to me. You never get to eat as much as you want. Also, you never get to be happy with the amount of weight you lost for very long. And so at some point, after about eight years of maintaining, and I realized that I kind of did go beyond the statistics, what the statistics show of dieting success, which is usually 5% of people maintain weight loss long term. So I was one of those 5% for a while. And then I got it into my head that I still wasn't thin enough and that dieting fixes problems. Um, I had started the first time to diet when my mother was very sick and she was dying. And I, that's, I realized now I connect dieting with uh, resolving stress in my life. And so uh, I was going through some more stress eight years later, and I thought the way to solve it was to go on another diet and be even thinner. And this time have my, and I just moved to California where everybody walks around here with like a total pageant body. And um, I thought, oh, I, I need to be that. That's how thin I need to be now. And so I went on another diet uh, again, I went back to Weight Watchers, and I dieted so restrictively, uh, and I could barely lose any weight at that point. My body was just stressed to the max with trying to lose weight, um, but I did. I managed to lose a few more pounds, and I, it was as thin as I probably possibly could ever go for me, and which still isn't all that thin com compared to other people, What you know how thin people can be, but it was very thin for me. And I was very hungry all the time, and it was just miserable. It was the first time I was really miserable with dieting. It went from this comfort thing, like, oh, I'll just count my points or track my calories or whatever it is, to um, being really miserable and sad and, and just having to think about food 24 hours a day and being afraid of food and also at the same time just binging on food whenever I would go out to eat. Um, and standing at a party beside a platter of cheese and not being able to concentrate on a conversation and looking at the cheese and thinking, I'm just going to dive into that cheese and never be able to stop and lose oh, myself yeah. in a big pile of cheese cubes that aren't even that good. It's like some mild cheddar or something. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I not, was a cheese girl, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And, and at my hungriest, I would eat any cheese. And I feel like when I'm not hungry, I get a little picky about my cheese. So that's my, it's like the cheese barometer or something of hunger. I don't know. But, um, so, so that last, so that weight loss that I struggled for, uh, lasted about two years and my weight started to rebound up in a way that had never happened before. Really quick gain, like 10, 10 pounds in a couple months. And, um, I, I was like, what's going on? And and so then I, you know, got restrictive again, but all I could do was just maintain that new weight. And it, I mean, my life was all about food, constantly thinking about food, feeling bad that I couldn't eat things, feeling mad when I did eat, you know, things, being on vacation and worrying, like, what am I going to be? What's my weight going to be when I come back? Um, that was my whole life. And that... Um, Right around that time that I was really restricting before I had gained any weight back, I decided I need a job that is going to let me think about food 24 hours a day and obsess about food and I can get paid for it. And what better job to do that than to become a registered dietitian? Mm -hmm. So that's what I decided when I was in the middle of what I'm considering a mental health crisis of dieting um, because you don't think really rationally when you're being starved. So I decided I'm going to become a dietitian and I started school for it. And I was um, in the middle of school when um, I was still dieting when I started school and 
when I started my first nutrition class, I had Linda Bacon as my teacher who... Um, wow. For, yeah. <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know, Linda Bacon is the author of the book Health at Every Size and just a huge um, size acceptance advocate and non-diet advocate. And But I didn't know any of this about her. She just happened to be teaching at City College of San Francisco. And I was like you know, I'll, I'll try this. This class fits my schedule and I'll try this woman. And people are saying kind of controversial things about her, but that's kind of neat. I, I don't know. And, um, I went in and, and her message was so different from anything I'd ever heard in my life. She was saying things like fat is not the killer that we're thinking that we think it is. And dieting is doing a lot of damage and weight loss, long-term weight loss really isn't all that possible. And I, at that point, I was also living the nightmare of thinking about the food constantly. And eventually, at first, I was very skeptical and thought, I don't think I believe what she's saying. But to be honest, that, I mean, that class was right before lunch. And I was so hungry because I'd eaten so little for breakfast. And I would count out my almonds during the class, 13, that would equal one point. <laughs> and, like, it's crazy that I still remember that. Oh, I still remember stuff like that, too. <laughs> yeah, and it's, like, total diet PTSD. And uh, um, Okay, yeah, I'll come, I'm going to come back to that. But, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, and, but, really, I think because of my experience and watching my weight suddenly fluctuate in a way that it never had before and that I was fighting and I could eat so little food just to maintain a weight that I had maintained no problem before I got super restrictive, um, not really understanding what was happening with my body, that kind of explained so much to me. And I had to be really honest with myself and say, are you happy with what is happening? Because I remember actually before that started a few, about a year before, I just remember looking at my partner and saying, just when do I ever get to be happy with all of this? Because I'm worried all the time about my weight. I'm just so terrified that I'm going to gain weight. And at the same time, I can't eat what I want and how I want to eat. Um, so that class really forced me to look at my life and say, are you happy? And I was not happy at all. And I was also mad that I lived in, I realized I lived in this culture that made me feel bad about my body. That had there that there had been nothing wrong with it. Did I mean I did when I was young? I needed some nutrition advice. I probably if I had found someone like books like Ellen Satter, who's the pediatric dietitian, and I love her work, or Intuitive Eating, which didn't exist when I went on my first diet. I needed something like that, and I maybe needed some good advice from a dietitian or a nutritionist, and you know, just to understand what a balanced meal looked like, that's what I needed. I didn't need to learn how to diet. Maybe I would have lost weight. Maybe I wouldn't have. But I I didn't need to learn how to diet and hate my body. So, but that's how, that's what I ended up with. I was never happy with my body. I'd never considered myself acceptable, even though my weight was within an acceptable, air, air quotes, range at that time. Um according to the BMI, which is bullshit anyway. But um, yeah, so Linda Bacon kind of changed my life. And at the end of that class, that semester, I said, I'm not, I'm never going to diet again. Like Oprah said it, but I mean it. (laughs) (laughs) And I just realized like, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live in misery. I only have one life and I need to be happy with all aspects of it, if possible. So that, that is sort of when I stopped dieting. And of course, I had really abused my body with dieting and really suppressed my weight. And once I stopped dieting, my weight just started to head on up. Mm-hmm. It was like, we're not going to do that again. Yes. <laughs> so, but I see that as, and I, and yes, for a while when you stop dieting, totally you go a little nuts. You're like, I'm going to eat everything. It's awesome. And I did eat. I don't think I binged, though. That was the great part. I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, well, now I just get to pick whatever I want to eat. And it felt very normal, actually, and okay. And I didn't really binge. I did have to get used to what level of fullness I wanted to be. I had to learn how to eat intuitively. Because my first decision was stop dieting. I did not know how to do that. I did not know how to eat intuitively. So a year later, that's when I found that book and sort of started to learn how to eat more intuitively according to what my body needed. But I had suppressed my weight so long that I I started to gain weight really rapidly. And um, 
that was a little disconcerting, but I just decided, no, I'm, I really need to live this authentic life of happiness. And, um, I just decided I'm going to go with it. Whatever my body decides to be with doing the healthiest things I can do, I'm going to go with it. And that's, you know, and I, I kind of went back to my original starting weight from like my 1994 starting weight. And I was like, wow, my body remembered. How about that? So I thought it was kind of genius, actually, of my body to remember that, nope, this is where we went. This is where we are. <laughs> that's often, that's yeah. often the case, yeah. you know, like it's kind of where it was when you were at your most like normal yeah. eating back in the day, you know? Yeah. Or at least in that sort of range. But uh, I mean, everybody's, everybody's experience is totally different with that because there's so many factors that come into play, but. Right. How it's, cool is it that you had Linda Bacon as your teacher? Oh my it, god, I'm like so jealous. <laughs> it's like the time I met, this is embarrassing, it's like the time I met Getty Lee, but I didn't know who he was. Oh, um, <laughs> oh man. Okay, Canadians. I'm the worst, I'm the worst Canadian ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for those of you that don't know, Getty Lee, lead singer of Canadian rock band Rush. Yes. Who everybody knows about in the world, except... <laughs> I didn't really back then. <laughs> anyway, it was sort of like that where I was like, oh, this is this amazing woman who does all this work. I didn't know that until like later. And I did, I read her book while I was in class. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. She wrote a book, but I didn't realize how big she was in this community mm-hmm. of health at every size. But I mean, honestly, it was the best introduction. Um, and I feel pretty honored to have had that kind of initial education mm-hmm. around it. She's a really sincere person. So. Yeah, and it's uh, interesting to hear how you said, you know, you you were connecting your dieting with resolving stress in your life Um, because, you know, weight loss is, or that desire to lose weight is is so much more than food. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, the question really becomes like, what are we really trying to control? Right. It's, it wasn't my weight. It was my feelings I mean, it was a little bit my weight, but it was also like if I resolve the issue with the weight, then I will also resolve all these problems, which I'm going to blame on the weight, which I know have not like my mother dying had nothing to do with my weight. That was just mm-hmm. going to happen. Um, but it was a distraction to this dieting was like, look over here at the diet stuff. Don't look over there at all the horrible stuff that's happening in your life. Um, so it that's why I said it was comforting because it was like this little hole that I could go into and hide in my safe diet world mm-hmm. from and, and, and protect me from all the bad things that could happen out there too. Mm-hmm. And then when I would get my most perfect body ever, um, then the, all the problems would be solved because I, I don't know really, the logic breaks down for me right there. So, but that's what I believed. <laughs> that's what we all believed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, um, and, and you know, it, like, uh, so logically, it's if we can, like, laugh at it and we're like, oh, my God, it doesn't make any sense. It's so silly. But it's actually one of the hardest things to let go of for, oh, for women. Ab- absolutely. Um, this idea that things are going to be better when we're the right size, mm-hmm. um, as though there were ever a right size, as though living, we live in this culture that constantly tells us our bodies are wrong because who makes money if we're happy with our bodies? Nobody. So... I mean, it's it's within everybody's interest to make sure that we are never happy with our bodies. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's a, <laughs> the system is the system is rigged. It's rigged. <laughs> it is rigged. It's yeah. so true. It's yeah. so true. If you think about all the businesses that wouldn't be around if you liked your appearance. Uh, first of all, a sixty billion dollar. <laughs> diet industry which is always amazing to me I'm like I don't think the movies make that much and I get so much more pleasure out of them so yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah think, think about how like you, you could pretty much solve world hunger with all that money like I know I know it's like uh, I think um I read a blog once on like what could what are all the things we could do with that money and it was like a lot of good things but instead we were just like let's try another diet and I think I said to somebody the other day because they as a dietitian people approach me all the time they say, what can I do about my diet? I need to lose weight. And I'm like, are you asking the fat dietitian how to lose weight? Really? <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't help you. I'm sorry. And nobody can help you, but they will take your money. So don't do it. So <laughs> but I can tell you how to eat better. Like I can always do that, but I can't tell you that that will, you know, result in weight loss. And they always look at me first with a little bit of sadness. And then with like this complete flood of relief on their face, like, 
oh, maybe that's why my last 10 diets failed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not me. So Yeah. So I actually pulled this quote from one of your blog posts because I thought it was so good. And this is you talking about the diet industry. Do this thing you might, you might not even like to do. Do it a lot. Focus your entire life on this. Forsake all the other things you might be interested in doing because they won't produce weight loss and you'll be cured of your fat forever. Except that, oh yeah, there is zero proof that any of this will work long term for more than a tiny, like 5% tiny fraction of people, even if you manage to keep at it. Did I write that? Like, yeah, you wrote great. that. I know, it's great. <laughs> it sounds even better when you read it. <laughs> I should it's... just have you read all my blogs. <laughs> it will like, be your formal, Really great uh... when you say it. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean... yeah, so I mean, it is, so, so I, th- I don't think a lot of people realize, like to us, like that 5% is like a, a well-known fact in, for, you know, for those of us who have like, you know, read a lot of health at every size or some of that research that gets um, thrown around, but it really is like, of people based on the studies they've done in terms of losing weight and keeping it off. Yeah. And I was telling this to a doctor recently, like, no, I know thousands of people that have lost weight and kept it off. I said, the burden of proof will be on you. You need to prove that to me because I have never seen that study. You know, Tracy Mann's book, Secrets from the Eating Lab came out last year and just, she looked at all the research that was available and said the same thing, like, no, it's really not going to work for anybody for the most part. For a, Let's say a, a statistically significant portion of the population. Yes, there are always going to be those that five percent and like but I did it so everybody else can do it and that was who I was for a long time I was like well I did it why can't you all do it which is uh I cringed at how obnoxious I was about that but oh yeah <laughs> um but I guess we've all been we've probably all been there at least once I, yes I, I hope I wasn't the only one but um, no I, I'm with you like my hands like straight up like raised with you <laughs> and I and I went back to school for the same reason to become a nutritionist so like you know your story parallels mine so much <laughs> yeah. I mean it's embarrassing but um that's I sometimes I think oh gosh those five that five percent are just doing us all such an injustice because they're walking around going look we're we're a we're not a unicorn. We are possible. It's like, yes, of course, anything is always possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because 5% of people can do it. And frankly, I think if they were living like the way I had been living, it's like, well, yeah, that's your life. You're, you're, it's, not a, it's not just a lifestyle change. It's your whole diet. Mm-hmm. So, uh, or sorry, it's your whole life. that is. It's your job now to, to maintain this weight loss. Like I couldn't, I just joke that I could have probably three PhDs by the time for all the time that I spent thinking about food and obsessing about food and, you know, and, and in the end I find when I'm not starving, I'm actually not that interested in food. I still like to eat. Of course, we're all geared to like to eat. That's normal. Um, there are people out there who don't enjoy eating too, but I think for the most part, we mostly like to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, but I am not obsessed with food at all. And, uh, that was a little dismaying to find out when I stopped dieting that, oh boy, this maybe was not, (laughs) not the interest I thought it was going to be. So I had a complete crisis when I decided to stop dieting. I thought I went into dietetics to, so I could have a private practice and then teach people how to lose weight and be miserable like me. And now what am I going to do? Because I don't really think that that's a good way to live. Uh And I am no longer thin. And what am I going to do? And that's when I realized there is still this underserved area of non-diet nutrition and that, in fact, I had a job to fight the diet industry and all the evil that it does. So um, so that actually, not dieting, stopping dieting has given me this great new pathway, to path to follow in my career. Um, and it's so much more fulfilling than dieting. It's It's unbelievable. So... Yeah, so you're like it's you're an RD that practices health at every size. So how do you, um, you know, do you work with other RDs that believe the same thing as you? Or are you like the rogue out there? Like how how, would, how does that look like? And how yeah. does that look in your practice? Or I'm I'm not self-employed right now, so I have a clinical dietitian job, and yeah. um, there are some people who are very much into the intuitive eating. Uh, I found in San Francisco, everybody knew about health at every size. And in LA, nobody knows about it, but they know about intuitive eating because the women who wrote that book are from down here. Interesting. Um, But the the one dietitian I found was um, my podcast partner, Aaron Flores. And he 
I, I just was so lucky when I went through my internship to become a dietitian. He was a dietitian there and he was into intuitive eating and non-diet. Uh, he didn't care about weight loss, non-diet nutrition. And we just clicked. And I think we always both knew we'd probably do something together. So um, we're doing our podcast together. But he, there are, and there are a few other dietitians that um, are very unrestrictive where I work and very, but I think they still, they're thin. So they kind of don't totally get it. Mm -hmm. They don't totally get that not everybody can lose weight. In fact, most people can't maintain weight loss in the long term. I think they sort of get it, but um, I, I don't. I'm not sure, and I don't delve into it too much with people unless I know that they're ready to hear it. So I, I don't go around, go around proselytizing for health at every size with people who don't want to hear about it. I'm here, what I, the way I see myself is I'm here for people who want information and then can make their own choice. So, but I'm, I feel like a little bit like the rogue where I work. First of all, I'm like the fat dietitian, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so the good thing is nobody, most, most of the time they don't ask me for diet advice. Cause I think they're thinking you're not winning at this diet thing. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I'm winning just in a different way. So, um, <laughs> but it can be hard to be, you know, the fat dietitian at the yeah. same time. I yeah. feel like I don't give a shit and I totally, just feel so empowered to defend my body and and what it's supposed to be or what it's going to be. So, um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's sort of. But I think the people I work with are awesome, and all the dietitians are really nice, and and I've never had a problem with them. They're they're so accepting. So I'm really lucky where I'm working. Um, but it is kind of a lonely world, the health at every size world. My the people are online. Like I've met you, you know, I've met Christy Harrison, who has another podcast. I right. have, you know, I've mostly, I live in this online world Yes, about health and every size, which mm -hmm. is kind of sad in a way. Um, you know, I'd love it to be more in person, but they're just, especially in LA, which is diet central. You, you just don't find a lot of people that are, are sort of ready to hear that. But you know, I don't care. I'm going to tell them, I guess. <laughs> so I'll find some people in person eventually. Um, so that's, it's, it is a lonely world. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I, I know some, I know, I know, uh, I've got, I have a couple like ex uh, clients in, in LA and stuff. And so, yeah, maybe I'll <laughs> offline. I'll, I'll, I'll like, you know, connect a couple of you or something. <laughs> yeah. That would be great. I'd love to hear from other people. Yeah. Who, and yeah. I, I know LA is a hard, a hard place. Um, like I've, I've had clients who really struggle with the body image in LA, like more so than other places in the United States, um, or, or around the world for that matter, because, of uh this like it's just so ingrained that thin is you know morally superior in in that environment like yeah more so than other places definitely LA is you know the place for that and I haven't lived anywhere else in the U.S. but when I do travel to other places it's kind of like you 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 go back and you're like oh this is where all the regular humans are mm -hmm. <laughs> like of course all the most beautiful people of the world come to LA because they either want to, you know, get into the the movie industry or acting or whatever and um be a real housewife. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I don't they know you can do that anywhere, really? I mean, you don't have to come to LA to do Yeah, that, they even but... have one in Vancouver. <laughs> the real housewives oh. of Vancouver. Oh, do they? Yeah. That's or they awesome. used to. I think it was only one season. It was a couple of years ago. Do, do they sit around and they're just like really polite to each other? <laughs> they're really polite and they smoke weed. <laughs> no, I don't know. I never watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. That was like a really mean like I I feel like I'm Canadian so I get to say things about Canadians, but nobody else does. <laughs> they're just sitting around apologizing. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To like the table when they bump into it and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So the other part of, of getting off the diets is how do you deal with the body positivity stuff? And that was the other big part of, that I had to work on, which is I don't know how to be okay with my body. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, even though when I was younger, I actually was, before I started dieting, I actually was okay with my body. That's I had this idea that other people, the world didn't see me as okay, but I kind of saw myself as okay to a large extent. It wasn't until I 
dieted, lost weight, everybody told me how amazing and great I looked. Then I realized, oh, I guess I was really walking around in this hideous body, <laughs> you know, and um, it, which wasn't true at all. But I mean, if I was fine with it, that's good enough. But through dieting, you learn self-hatred. And yes. how did, how was I going to undo all of that? And that's I had to spend a lot of time. That's why I spent a lot of time looking online at blogs. The first one I found was um, Reagan Chastain Dances with Fat. Mm-hmm. And that blog was a revelation uh, for me. And I got to meet her one time, too. And that was super oh, cool. Amazing. I just actually interviewed her for the podcast. She's amazing. <laughs> she, she's hilarious, too. She is hilarious. Super yeah. witty and brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, She's done some stand-up comedy. You can well, it used to be on YouTube, and she was actually really funny. Oh, that, okay, yeah. Yeah. No, she's just, like, so quick. She's, yeah. She's got, like, the quickest responses of anyone I've ever... Yeah, she's brilliant, and I loved her writing, mm-hmm. and um, so I started there, and then I moved on to other blogs, like, fat fashion blogs is mm-hmm. where I um, also turned to, to look and see, like, these are fat bodies in positive um, images, and... That was really important to see that, actually, for me, that these women were like, I don't give a fuck what I, how fat I am. I'm putting nice clothes on and um, just showing myself to the world in great clothing. And that was just a revelation for me as well that, oh, that you're not, you're right. Fat bodies are not hideous, inherently hideous. They actually are quite beautiful to me. And that, Beauty is not this fixed thing that we have that we can expand our ideas of what beauty is. And I realized that I don't know. I think the reason why I decided before that fat was not beautiful was because I had sort of been told that I looked better thin than fat. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe if that's an objective thing for everybody out there, it's not an objective truth for me. Fat bodies, thin bodies, to me, there's you, there's beauty in all sizes. Um, and, and it was really nice to be able to expand my ideas of beauty, but it was still hard to turn that on myself at first, you know? Um, and then I realized along the way that I don't think I actually have to look at myself and think, Oh, I'm beautiful. Or, you know, people think I'm beautiful. I don't need that because that's a culture that traps us and in a prison as well. And I don't need that. I just need to know that I'm okay and I should exist in the world just as I am. Mm-hmm. And that and that yes. has been the best thing. It's like I I like nice clothing. I'm a big, you know, I love fashion. Um, although as I get older I get way lazier and I just want to wear yoga pants all the time and because <laughs> <laughs> they're easy and I can wear sneakers with them and run and you know, run around and but uh, I do love clothing and anybody can wear clothing and that's that's what's important to me is that I have nice clothes and that's I don't need a specific kind of body for that. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the last part of the puzzle is figuring out the body stuff. Yeah, that's a and it's such a huge part of the puzzle. So I want to loop back around to something you mentioned earlier, which was like the diet PTSD, which um, <laughs> is so funny that you brought that up because one of my clients actually said that she's like. She's like, I feel like I, I still have like diet PTSD, you know, like <laughs> certain things will just like trigger or like I have like these memories of dieting. So, um, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy how like stuff can just like give us that PTSD, like, you know, yeah. like looking at almonds and, and, you know, for me, I still see them as like zone. I don't really see them as zone blocks anymore, but I can, I could still tell you how many blocks are in like a lot of foods. Um, wow. You know, much like I'm sure you could, you probably know the Weight Watchers points or something yeah. like that. Like it's, you know, uh, uh, does it, does it, uh, does it, does it wear off or did it wear off for you or like, you know, um, are you able to like see a diet ad without like, you know, cringing or like, you know, do you. Oh, I go into a blind rage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I want to throw things at the TV. I'm like, fuck you. I'm so angry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're a lie. Um, but uh, <laughs> so I guess I still have some diet PTSD. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's funny the things that I still remember, like there are certain foods I never ever want to eat again, like rice cakes, Mm. because I ate so many rice cakes for so long. And to me, that will never be anything other than a diet food. And that doesn't mean it's diet food, period. Mm. It just for me, it is a diet food the way I treated it because I didn't really like it. 
but I ate it anyway because it plugged the hole of hunger. And um, so I, I can't, like, if, even if I just see a rice cake, I got to look away. I, I, can't, I was like, ah, cardboard. Um, and, but bagels were another food for a long time. I just did not want to have anything to do with them because I used to eat my breakfast for ages was half of a bagel with one tablespoon of light cream cheese. Oh. And <laughs> that to me became starving. A, oh, my yeah. God. Oh, I was starving because then I, and that's when I would have the rice cakes. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Yeah. And I know there are like, other people at the paleo people out there going, Oh, cause you've had no protein. And that's also true. Yeah. Um, but no protein, no fat. Right. But just that starving was, basically. Like, that was the Weight Watchers too. diet. It was definitely like a low fat, mm-hmm. low ish protein diet, I think, mm-hmm. but it's also low everything like low, low just fun. low everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's got no life. It's why that that's, puts the die in diet. <laughs> right. <laughs> they low, say. low taste. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I still, but I can still look at some foods like, an English muffin and go uh, one point, you know, or two points or something like that. And oh, good, I'm starting to forget. That's actually a great sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's that that kind of thing sticks with you uh, for a long time. And but it's okay because I I can still look at those foods and go, I don't care how many points are in them. I'm eating that food, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. So, we can't so erase the, the memories completely. It's like a shadow in there, but it's okay. It just reminds me you're never doing that crazy stuff again Mm -hmm. like going hungry all day and trying to figure out how to trick myself so I still catch myself in dieting behavior every now and again um but I can rationalize it out and say okay what are you doing (laughs) why are you doing it you know is that what you want to do or do you just want to have something uh or like looking at menus like hmm what's the lowest calorie thing and I go no what's the thing you want what's the thing that's going to satisfy you and satisfy your need for nutrition too because I do still I am a dietitian so I still care about nutrition Mm -hmm. I think but there's a world of difference between eating in a nourishing you know healthy way versus eating to lose weight I think those things are almost mutually exclusive in a way because I I did not eat very healthfully when I was dieting and trying to lose weight, I would just play the game of how little can I eat with trying to satisfy myself so I won't be so hungry the next time. And I'll tell you, vegetables were not the answer <laughs> at the time. Right. Those, those didn't fill me up at all. Um, they just made me hungrier because, of course, vegetables on their own, they need to go with something, mm-hmm. you know. It's, mm-hmm. It needs to be a whole meal, in my opinion. But so I still, I still like to focus on. Once I got over the dieting, that's when I turned to. Okay, how do I eat better? How do I do the nutrition without doing the weight part? And it's actually pretty easy because there are some good guidelines out there. Like, hey, eat some vegetables every day, eat some fruit, or whatever it is. Whatever is the thing that you want to do um, to to be healthier. Yeah, know? and I, I think I think one of the biggest problems is that. Weight loss is so, it has become mixed up with health. So people automatically think, okay, if I'm not actively trying to lose weight anymore, then I'm not going to eat healthy. Or like, why bother eating healthy? Um, You know, which is, it's such bullshit. Like, you know, it's like, no, like you can still do healthy things for yourself, whether it be, you know, like moving your body or eating some food with that has, you know, like nutritional content in it or whatever. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It does. It just, it doesn't have to be intertwined with, with weight. And I think it's like, it takes a while for people to really reframe that, to be able to come back to food and see it as, as nourishment and be able to make choices without it feeling restrictive. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, I knew somebody who had suffered from anorexia, for a long time and she just at times would eat candy all day you know but you would maybe look at her go she's really thin she must eat really healthy it's like well no she ate candy the entire day because Mm -hmm. she really loved candy and that was the thing that she was going to have so um i mean it's it's it is amazing how we've tied up the weight and the health thing and i think that that's a load of shit because basically when i first started dieting i did want to eat a little bit better, but I also wanted, it was vanity. I mean, I, I hate to use the word vanity. It was wanting to, because that sounds like it's just fluffy and, you know, not important, but I wanted to fit into society better. And that's what it 
Right. You know, that's what it was about. And I think that people realize, like, oh, if you just make it about health, then that somehow makes it okay that we're all trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And not about vanity. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of us are, you know, lying to ourselves about that. Like, I certainly was. Because I was, even if you looked at what I was eating, you'd be like, oh, like, she's really healthy. But I was still under eating healthy foods, you know, like, like and and like really under eating, um, you know, like carbohydrates and stuff. Like I wouldn't even eat a piece of fruit. Like I was like, no, you know? Yeah. So you have to demonize those foods in order to not eat them. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, and it's, and it's crazy. And that's why health becomes so convoluted is because, people start to, you know, receive these messages that like, oh, you know, don't eat too much fruit or like, you know, like, oh, it got carbohydrates in it. Like, and it's just like, it's, it's, it's fucking crazy. It's like, it's a piece of fruit. Like, (laughs) you know, like eat fruit. Yeah. It came off the tree. We probably, our ancestors survived on it for thousands and thousands of years. It's nuts. It's, yeah, it's crazy. And it took me a while to be okay with like, eating fruit again, like, which I know sounds so, may sound so ridiculous to some people, but, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy how that can just like brainwash you and completely destroy your perception of health. Like you think you're being healthy and you're, and it's actually like, you're, you're not healthy at all. Oh yeah. Um, so it and can kind of happen from both perspectives where you're, you know, you're unhealthy and dieting and you're like eating healthy stuff, but still dieting. Yeah, I mean, and I had full, but I remember saying to myself at one point, like, oh, I'm just gonna live forever. I'm eating so healthy and exercising. It's like, first of all, nobody is getting out of this thing alive. We all yes. die. Yes. Yes, <laughs> we yes, all yes, have yes, that yes. in common. We are all going to die eventually. Maybe I'll be 99. Maybe I'll be 79. You know, if I, I'm lucky at either of those ages, frankly. But um, one of the other things I realized I was focusing on was this future healthy self or this future, like, I'm going to live forever. It's like, well, I mean, or I'm going to live 10 years longer. It's like, well, can I have 10 more years of my 30s or are you getting that on the back end? Because mm. I don't think I want like 110 because that's, I, I work with those people. Yes, they're still glad to be alive, but they're not getting around that easy. Um, we're not going to be super people at 90. I, uh, yeah, I had this conversation, this exact conversation with my husband the other day. And in one of my blog posts that I just wrote that will be going up, like, probably before this actually broadcasts, I wrote, like, we're going to die anyways. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. You, you eat healthy. You do everything right. And you still die anyway. Yeah. Like, we can't Damn. control our de- – we think we're going to, like, control our destiny. And we miss it on the present moment a lot of times by being so obsessive and, and, and trying to control that future. Well, and I think that's what I was trying to do, actually, because at that time I was very unhappy uh, with certain things in my life. And I realized, like, I was living for this future when I, maybe I would be happy. And so this was, you know, oh, I'm trying to be so healthy for this future where I'm happy that I don't even know what's going to happen. Instead of just dealing with the stuff that was happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I did start dealing with that, I let go of a lot of the health stuff. Even before health, you know, finding health at every size, I realized when I was starting to deal with the crap that was happening in my life, I just said, I don't want to diet like this. This is kind of nuts. Now, I did for a few more years, but it was really loosening its grip on me, even at that point. Um, But I I was using it to live for this moment that might never happen. Right. (laughs) I would be happy. Yeah. So insanity exactly Exactly. so how do you like how do you guide people to start making choices for themselves without being restricted about it so I have a lot of patients that are they're older gentlemen and they ask me you know how do I lose weight and I say listen nobody can guarantee that for you we can try we can try to do healthy things and see what happens with your weight and they're always I think they're a little bit disappointed with that, but yeah. I have I have to be honest with them, um, and saying like you know I I'm not going to tell you to be restrictive because one you're not going to do it anyway, and two at the very most it's going to be this transient you know weight loss that will just come back on. So so I really try to the first thing I do with my patients, and this is very new for them, is I give them the hunger fullness scale, mm-hmm. um, which is the scale from one to ten. 
um, one being super hungry and 10 being like Thanksgiving stuffed. And I kind of guide them. I say, do you know when you're hungry? How do you know when to eat? Now, amazingly, a lot of them say, I never feel hunger. And then I say, well, then how do you know when to eat? So I just try to start out with getting them in touch with the hunger feeling and then what level of fullness do they want to be? I said, listen, you work on that first, see how that goes, and then let's talk. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's a challenge even for that, you know, you think that sounds so easy? Not at all. If you've been ignoring those hunger and fullness signals for so long, it's not easy to get in touch with them and to start listening to them and be guided by them. So, yeah, yeah but I, I tell them, you know, I'm very... Um, I guess liberal, <laughs> liberal I, is the word, I guess, with, with weight and food in general. I am never going to tell somebody to restrict. And I think that they, they actually are pretty relieved by that. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, it's nutrition, changing your nutrition is challenging no matter what. Changing it and trying to change your weight at the same time is in my opinion, next to impossible for the average person, mm-hmm. which is why a lot of times weight loss doesn't even work in the first place. So, so that's tr- sort of how I connect with my patient population. And they they are sometimes ready to hear that, and they're sometimes not ready to hear that. They still want to go off and do like the juicing thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they are discouraged when they ask me, "What's the best vegetable I can eat?" Like, like there's just one vegetable they need to eat. They're going to eat that one, and it's going to fix all their problems. Yeah. I'm like, the best vegetable to eat is the one that you like the best. Yeah, the one that you feel like. <laughs> and they, are not, they don't get that at first. Like, huh? Yeah. I'm uh-huh. like, it's really, we should not discriminate amongst vegetables, okay? Yeah. Or anything, but, it's, you know, but vegetables too. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll just caveat the hunger and fullness scale because some people who, like, you know, if you're prone to, like, the diet brain, like... Uh-huh. It's not always the best thing to do for the people who are listening to this. Yeah, you can turn it into <laughs> a, 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 like a numbers thing. Yeah, and, like, you become very obsessed strict with, with it. it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I also <laughs> wrote that as a, a blog, which is uh, something about um, when intuitive eating becomes a rule, not a tool. And yes, totally. Yeah, you're not, you're, we don't need to be strict about, I can only eat when I'm this hungry and I can only eat until I'm this full mm-hmm. because that's a diet too mm-hmm. all of a sudden it, yeah and it implies there's like this like like in, I don't even know like elusive level of fullness yeah, that, I know exactly that is yes. perfect yeah, there it <laughs> that is. you I, must achieve didn't go beyond it and um so yeah so that hunger fullness scale is not I don't I don't usually I wouldn't maybe start a a long-time dieter with that necessarily. But these are people who have never heard about non-diet nutrition, uh, but also maybe have not dieted all that much themselves either. So I feel like for them, it's like a good place to start thinking about, are you hungry? Like, how do you know when to eat? I tend to work more with people who are chronic overeaters Mm -hmm. than undereaters and dieters. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, that's just the the place where I work. Yeah, it's Um, different. Yeah, it's a little different. If I were in private practice, it would be a whole different world of where to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would, you know, you really have to meet people where they are, <laughs> where yes, they're at. Totally, so, totally. Yeah. Well, we are like coming up close to the hour, so this has been awesome. I feel like we could go on and on and on. I feel like there were so many other things we could talk about. So oh, yeah, we'll have to have you back at some point. But oh, the last question I ask all my guests is, what is the most fearless thing that you've done? Oh, I think it's buying a two-piece bathing suit a few years ago. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I because I'd never worn, a, since the age of eight, I'd never worn a two-piece bathing suit. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was looking at the fat fashion blogs, Gabby Fresh, um, Gabby Gregg, is, she has a very popular blog, and she wore, she called it the fat kini. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like the this thing that kind of blew up the whole you know, you can be fat and wear a bikini. And it was, I bought that exact one from her blog. Nice. <laughs> and, and I wore, now to be honest, I don't actually like two pieces that much. That's something I learned because I like to um, do like boogie boarding and I, I just feel like I'm about to come out of it. 
So. Do, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you get. I need really <laughs> something a little more sporty and to hold. Things me. fall out when. Yeah. When exactly. There's there's very <laughs> very fast um, strong waves in the Pacific Ocean here, and I've had some moments where I've kind of fallen out. So I really uh, I'm going to look at my choice of bathing suit this year. But I was still glad that I did it. I bought a few more two pieces, um, and I was just glad I did that. And I felt like that was the most fearless thing I could do, and just say. Fuck it. I don't care if I have a big belly. <laughs> I don't care if I don't have the right shaped butt. I'm just going to wear this. I want to wear a two-piece. So that was probably it. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Well, it, it's been so awesome having you here. Where can people find more of you? Um, so I am I write my blog. It's dare to not, uh, dare to not Um And we also have a podcast. Aaron Flores and I have a podcast, Dietitians Unplugged. We have a Facebook page. You can just Google us or you can just find us on iTunes. Um, Yeah, I guess those are the two places I'm hanging out online these days. And I will link to all of this in the show notes, which will be at summerinandin.com forward slash FRR-60, because this is episode 60. Mm-hmm. Glennis, thank you so much for being here. It was so fun. I'm so glad we got to connect. You are awesome. So hey, thank you so much. You're doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you. And you too. I love the work you're doing. I'm reading your book, and it's so great. And um, just I appreciate you so much for everything you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Rock oh. on. <laughs> like what you've heard please head to itunes to leave me a review it will take two seconds and i would be super grateful click on reviews and ratings and then click to rate easy peasy you can do it on your phone right now just while you're driving even just kidding and don't forget to head to summerinandin.com or thebodyimagecoach.com to grab your free rule breakers guide to rocking your bod plus the 10-day body confidence makeover plus your exclusive invite to my free online community all for free 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 cool all right until next time rock on (laughs) 